Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. Father, we love you this morning. We're thankful to you that we have another day to live, to move, even though we had to get up a little bit earlier. We still thank you and praise you. You are God. You still sit on the throne. You still sit on the throne of our hearts. Holy Spirit, you're still our helper. And we love you, Lord, for every good thing that you've already done for us and all you have in store for us. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are awake, we are alive, we are alert, hallelujah, and we're hungry for you and what you have for us. And we thank you for teaching us more about who you are and what you have in store. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. And Psalm 86 this morning, please. 2020, perfect vision, talking about knowing the Lord and his ways. So from Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. The Lord says... Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> but let him that glorieth glory in this. So there's something that we all can boast and glory in. God says you can glory and boast in this all day long, every day if you want to. That he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. So he's telling us there about himself, isn't he? He's saying, hey, I exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. If you pick up on these things, you'll have an understanding and a knowledge of who I am. All right. Psalm. 86, verse 15. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. So it says he's full of compassion. He's gracious, long-suffering. He's got a whole lot of mercy and a whole lot of truth. All right. Now, sometimes, you know, we can take scriptures for granted and don't realize all of what they're saying to us. But these scriptures are telling us about God, about how he is, how he thinks, how he does things. And so, you know, getting to know the Lord is not as difficult as many people have made it. We can start out with what the scriptures teach us and then start applying them to our lives and then start looking to God in these different areas and expecting him to reveal himself that way. Amen. All right. So we made the statement that clear vision begins with knowing the Lord, his nature, how he thinks and how he does things. His life is represented through his nature, his thinking and his actions. That's important for us to understand. We talk about life, eternal life sometimes. And God's life really is represented by his nature, his thinking and his actions. OK, in what we read here, loving kindness is a part of his life, is part of his heart. 
That's what he's made of, all right? He's full of compassion. Compassion is who he is, all right? Righteous is who he is. He likes justice. Inside of him, he wants everything to be right for people. He wants things to be right in the earth. And you, you'll notice, like, when he talks about the new heaven and the new earth, he makes the point of saying that in that new heaven and new earth is going to dwell what? Righteousness. So he's interested in things being right. He's not interested in people being treated unjustly. That's a big part of his heart. So we can know and understand him by these things that we're seeing here. And then we also start knowing how we ought to represent him, how we ought to allow him to take shape and form in us on the inside. Like Paul prayed for the Galatians. He said, you know, my little children in whom I travail and birth again until Christ be what? Formed in you. All right. So then we know the, the avenue that we're supposed to take in getting to know him and representing him in the earth. Don't you think that's kind of simple? Hallelujah. Slap somebody and say it's simple. No, my bad. I mean, okay. <laughs> I just want to wake you up a little bit. Somebody said, what? Don't you hit me. <laughs> I hit you back. <laughs> All right. So now when we, when we look at stuff like this, we have to realize that God is sharing his, his life and his nature is his whole plan for mankind. That's what this thing is all about. Now, this morning, we're kinda, what we're going to share is going to coincide somewhat with what we have been talking about on Wednesdays in our study on eternal life. And this is important because God, he, his, his life is represented by what he does, these things that we're reading. His nature is represented. His life is represented by that. Now, I want you to look with me at a scripture in Genesis chapter 3. When in doubt of certain things or needing clarity of certain things, it's always good to go back to the beginning of things. And we go back to the beginning, the first few chapters of the Bible, we learn a whole lot. In Genesis 3, of course, we know what happened there with the Eve being tempted, Adam not doing what he should have done. We know the whole discourse that God went through with the serpent. With with Eve and then with man. And the thing is, it's kind of interesting. We get down here to the 22nd verse. And God says, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. All right. It's interesting. And I think more and more people are starting to understand that there were two trees in the garden, two major trees in the garden. It wasn't just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but there was also the tree of life there. And when you when we read the account of the scriptures here, there was absolutely we cannot find any restriction that God put on them that they could not eat of the tree of life. Neither do we find that they ate of the tree of life. But we do find that after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God said, OK, y'all can't have this tree of life now, because if you eat of it now, it's going to be disaster forever, because the state that you are now in, you're going to be able to eat of that. If you eat of that, then you're going to live forever in the state that you're in. So I got to cut it off. I got to put fire around it where you can't get to it. <laughs> 
I got to put a flaming sword so you can't get. So he said, I'm going to, and notice the way he put it. He said, I'm going to guard the way to the tree of life. Obviously, there's a way to that tree. And God wanted protected and guarded until man could partake of life like he should have taken. All right. But the, the, the major thing I want to bring out here is that life is the issue. And what God had to share with mankind was not just the, the jewels and stuff that were in the garden, not just the dominion and the authority, not just all the plain. All those things are good and wonderful and kind. They, they were they were for there for us and are still are there. But the major thing that he was talking about there was sharing his life with man. Sharing his glory with man. All right. Now, now this is important. Now, now, now y'all, y'all work with me now. Y'all got to shake yourself or something here. Some of you might need to. I know you lost an hour, but, you know, let's, let's don't, don't, don't let the drag get on you. All right. I had to do the same thing you did. <laughs> OK. So now now when we look, if you go into the New Testament, we look at the word life. And there's one major word there. It's the word zoe that is, and it actually means the life of God. It's defined as life is a principle, life in the absolute sense, or life as God has it. And then, you know, Vine gives some other things there. He talks about the, the, the fact that it's the life that God gave to the son to represent, and that he put this life in him, and, and that man is supposed to be able to be a partaker of that life. But life is a major, major issue all throughout the Bible, starting from the beginning. All right? Now, we may think of life as just moving around and having activity, like a lot of us think about life, okay? But it's a lot more than that. Life is what makes God who he is. And so like the scriptures that we read from Jeremiah 9 and from Psalm 18 and some that we have read earlier on, what these things we see about him and what turns him on are characteristics of his life. It's important. All right. Now, I would say that Christianity is in great need of a revival. Somebody said, yeah, OK, I believe that. And I don't mean just a healing revival or, or a financial revival or whatever, but we need a revival of getting back to going after the knowledge of God and his purposes. And when we read the New Testament and we read the Old Testament, we find out that those are the things that God is exactly pointing to when he talks about his people needing revival. Because the knowledge of God, it, it, it wanes in the earth and people lose sight of his purposes. And if we lose, look, listen, if we lose sight of who God is and lose sight of his purposes, what is there? We live visionless lives. We live purposeless lives. Because we think we are to be living for all these other things and they're not hitting the nail on the head. See, God knows what he's doing. He knows how he set things up. And what we have to do as men and women, people of God, people, just mankind in general, we've got to look at what God set as priorities. If we don't do that, we're going to be lost. That's why the church needs revival. And that's why we need to focus on what God is, what he's saying to us right now. We need to focus on that. All right. Let's look at Hosea 6. And also we'll look at a, a scripture in, in Isaiah 11. Hosea 6. 
beginning with verse 1. The prophet said, come and let us return to the Lord. For he's torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may notice this, live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Now, everybody looking for that, but don't realize that him coming to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth is preceded by pursuing the knowledge of the Lord. Come on, don't lose that. It's preceded by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we need to, because listen, if we don't, if we don't know him, how are we going to know how he's moving? If we don't know what turns him on, how do we know what he wants to do through us? Hello? So we just assume, and we may take some good things out of the Bible and out of the scriptures, but if we don't have them in the order that he wants them in, and folks, we've just seen this happen in the church from generation to 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 generation. Now, notice what revive. Revive is defined as to bring back to life or consciousness, to make effective or operative again, to recover and restore after neglect or obscurity. We'll read those again. This is, this is really, really, really important. Revive is defined as to bring back to life or consciousness. It means to make effective or operative again, meaning that at one time something was functioning and operative, but somehow it got broke <laughs> and stopped working. And so to revive it is to bring it back to being operative. It means to recover and restore after neglect or obscurity. See, when people hear things about God in his life, and if they neglect to push through with it, then it just kind of fades away. It's like we are. We can have good things that come to us. We can have knowledge that comes to us, but if we don't stay with it, it fades away. How many of us remember all the things that we learned in elementary school? See, we didn't stay with those things and go over and over and over and over again. A lot of those things, they just kind of, they drift away from us, or we drift away from them. Now, obscurity, something that is obscure is like, like this, for some reason, something around it that you can't quite understand or grip. You don't see it clearly. And here what God wants to do is to make stuff clear. So revival is making something clear again. Now notice, revival is for the church and it's not for the world. It's for the church. Right. This is the church. You can't revive something unless it was alive before. So revival is for the church and we have to have a revival of the knowledge of God and his purposes. Now, redemption in Christ is all about restoring man to righteousness and life. That's what redemption is all about. 
It's not about just getting saved, as we call it. Matter of fact, there's one translation that's really good. I, and I, I'll tell on myself here. Because I heard a preacher talking about this translation, Murdoch's translation, years ago. And I found the only way I could find it is I went to the library at the seminary, Southwestern Baptist Seminary. And I got the translation, and I didn't take it back. Yep. <laughs> but, but they sent me a bill, and I paid for it. <laughs> so I paid for it, okay? But in it, what the, it's, it's, it's um, a Syriac translation. And when, you, when they talk about being saved, as we would call it, like we would in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, it translates all those, you shall have life. And see, that's really what salvation is all about. It's about receiving God's life. Now, if we look at what's in the life of God, we know what it means to be saved, along with what Jesus said, that this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. All right? So now, I want to look at a few scriptures where they talk about this life. If we, just like other things, if we just kind of let, you know, the seed get planted in the ground, we water it a little bit, then as for the rest of our lives, as we read the New Testament, we will see just how much life is talked about. I find it interesting in, in the scripture that Sister Debbie shared with us this morning in Matthew 19. That, that, that rich young ruler came to Jesus. What did he want to know? How do I get eternal life? Now, we don't realize that Jesus, when he was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God and all the stuff that he talked about, the major issue that he was talking about was life. See, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they look a lot at what Jesus did. Some of the things they taught, they talked about him talking about and preaching about the kingdom. They look, we look at his miracles, but what John does is he opens this thing wide up. And John talks about all the preaching and teaching that Jesus did on the life of God. Things like, you know, we remember Elder Franks, 524, right? Remember that, right? That we pass from death unto life, all right? Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. We read at the beginning of the book, in, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were created by him, and so on and so forth. And then he said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so all through here, and he said, these things I'm writing to you that you may know that you have eternal life. So he just opens this thing up. John opens it up and tells us what Jesus' major message was to the people that he was talking to. He even talked to the cats, you know, the rulers and stuff, and he said, you can't receive my words because you don't have what's in you to be able to. You can't understand them because you can't pick up on this life message. You're dead. They could not understand it all, but yet he had to preach it. But see, this ritual ruler was really interesting because he heard what Jesus said. And he said, okay, how do I get this eternal life? How do I get this Zoe? How do I get this life of God? And then Jesus told him, 
If you want to enter into life, do what? Keep my word. Real interesting. I know we don't think about it a whole lot like that. But that's what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about, he went, he, all he was doing is going back to the original purpose of the Father, and that was that men would be able to share with God his life. Hallelujah. So let's look at John 10, 10. Hallelujah. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he said, I am come. Why? That they might have life and that they might have it. Have what? Life more abundantly or in a measure to where it what? Overflows. And see, folks, here's the deal. With the overflow of life comes everything else that we think revival is all about. <laughs> Abundant life is not a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff comes out of the life. And see, so when we put the stuff before the life, we get in trouble. Because we go after the stuff instead of the life and then let the life produce the stuff. Here's what Jesus said. I come that you might have Zoe and that you might you might have the life of God and that you have it in overflowing measure. So if it's going to happen, I got to figure out what's in the life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A few of y'all getting a little bit excited. Hallelujah. <laughs> Waking up a little bit. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is what Jesus said. All right. Acts five and verse 20. See, these guys that were with him, they picked up on what the major theme of Jesus's teaching and preaching was all about. And then he went and demonstrated life. But they picked up on it. And you'll notice that when 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 um, these apostles got put in prison and, and the angel came and opened the prison doors and brought them forth. Verse 20, chapter five, is state that angel said to them. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. <laughs> see, so that tells us there what they what they were doing. You see, the angel wasn't going to tell them something they didn't know. What he was telling them, now, you know, Jesus taught you all this the time he was here. This is the major thing he was talking about. I said, now, when I let you out of here, go stand in, in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Life. Who God is, what he did, what it's all about, what this plan of redemption is all about. Of bringing man back to, see, there, there, there are three major things that Jesus did. This is really simple. All right. What he did is he came to pay off man's sin debt in order to be able to credit righteousness to man's account so that man could receive life. It's real simple. That's what it was all about. All right. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 18.
Paul said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth or from this time forth don't walk like other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened and notice being alienated from what? Salvation? No, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So what the sinner is ignorant and alienated is ignorant and alienated from is what? God's life. And every one of us before we received, we were alienated, we were separated from God's life. But when we came in and got salvation, as we call it, we received his life. We've got to get to know more about the one who brought his life on the inside of us. So we know how to live like him. That's what it's about. All right. Second Timothy one, seven through ten. This is a bomb here, boy. Bam, boom, bop, slam. <laughs> this is a good one. Second Timothy one from verse seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He didn't say just partake of the afflictions. He said, but do it according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And look at what he did. Who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So now we see here in the gospel, if we're going to preach the gospel, then we're supposed to be bringing to light the life of God. And if we're not talking about his life, then we don't have the fullness of the gospel. The Bible says Jesus brought life and immortality to light. To light where we could, what? See well, we can see life and immortality. He said, this is what is in the gospel. So if I ain't talking about the Zoe life of God, his nature becoming a part of those who receive it, then I'm, I'm not hitting all cylinders where the gospel is concerned. Amen, somebody. I'm just talking scripture here. All right. All right. And let's look at this one. First, second Peter, chapter one, verses three and four. This is to wet our palate. And if we keep these in memory as we read through the New Testament, we'll find out. Wow. Look at how much in the New Testament. is talked about what look at how much life is talked about. All right. Second Peter one verses three and four. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what life and godliness. Notice. His divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Notice, it's through the uh -oh, knowledge of him that has called us by his glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of what? 
the divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So, folks, if I'm going to do this right, I better find out what the divine nature is all about. I better find out what the life is all about so that I know what I'm supposed to be living about and representing. See why Christianity needs a revival? We think all the other hoopla is revival. That's not revival. Those are the results of doing what God tells us to do. That's why those things have never been sustained. Because we get the grace of God in generations in the church. We get a little thing going on. And then people start attaching themselves to how they can get God to move and forget about knowing God. And that's why, and you look at most of them, they get corrupted. Men start falling into the material element of it. Everything goes back to point one. That's why in some generation of the church, something's going to have to happen to where that generation of the church taps into God's purposes and priorities and sustains it and get the horse back in front of the cart and not the cart in front of the horse. And that's what we've been doing. Somebody gets it for a little bit, but then who has the the intestinal fortitude to stay with it and keep pushing in that direction? See, this is what the Bible is talking to us about. Somebody say, that's hard. I know it is. It's easy to get distracted, too. Very easy to get distracted. And that's why these things have to, we have to keep focus on them, because we don't. It's not going to happen so much. Well, the Lord's going to come. He's going to come when stuff is done. Hey, check this out. I'm going a little bit fast here, but check this out. Look at the scripture over in, in, in Hebrews 10. You know something? People have been talking about the coming of the Lord way before you and I ever came on the scene. Matter of fact, even in 2 Peter, Peter talked about how it was that people were mocking. Because even back at that time, people said, you know, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. And they started mocking, said, where, well, where is the promise of his coming? All the fathers talked about he was coming. We ain't seen him yet. What's happening? See, that is nothing new. People have been talking about the coming of the Lord for, for a long time. Paul was even saying, I'm looking for it now. I'm looking for his coming now. He said, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. So everybody was looking for that. But there's some other things we need to look for if that's going to happen. See, I'm still amazed at how we over over the centuries have looked at the coming of the Lord as a way out of something where God is trying to get us into something and do what we need to do so that what he wants done can be done and every all this other riffraff can get out the way. But it's not going to happen until the church does it like he says it's supposed to be done. Do you hear me? Can you hear me now? <laughs> He's got a way. Now, in, in Hebrews 10, man, this is something interesting for him. Hebrews 10 Verses 12 and 13. It's all about Jesus. It says, for this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand on the right hand of God from henceforth. Expecting. 
himself to come and make his enemies his footstool. That's what he said. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Now, the father's going to do this, but he's going to do it through the church. So Jesus is chilling. And if we think about everything he said before he left, after he was raised from the dead, when he appeared, he said, you know what, I'm getting ready to get out of here. He said, "Um, uh, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Why don't you go on out into this cosmos and make disciples of all men. Go out into this cosmos, and these signs will accompany them that believe. Go out into this cosmos. Uh, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel this time? He said, it's not for you to know time or the seasons. The Lord's put his own power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me. So get your mind off that other. Do what I tell you to do. He said, I ain't tell you to be so concerned about my coming. What I did tell you to be concerned about is what I want you to do that's going to promote my coming. And so the church doesn't do what it takes to promote the coming. See, we're here to make his enemies his footstool. We're here to bring things into subjection to the kingdom of God. That's why I know nobody need to be freaking out about coronavirus. What you should be doing is taking dominion over it. Not freaking out about it. Christian people getting as scared and upset as the world. Buying up all the hand sanitizer. <laughs> can't find hand sanitizer. Christians can't find, oh my God, oh my God, no more germics. Oh God. <laughs> germs, they so, you know, we got good things to help us, but germs are supposed to die when they touch us, really. That's the real way it's supposed to be. But we can't, no, there's nothing wrong in being ready for things. But see, if we don't put first what God said do, he said take dominion. But people, oh, coronavirus, coronavirus, maybe the Lord's coming soon. Coronavirus, and God ain't telling you to think like that. <laughs> he said take dominion over it. Shut it down. If it's a lie, shut it down. If it's true, shut it down. It's a name that is subject to the name of Jesus. So why am I scared of coronavirus? I ain't. I'm not. Ain't never going to be. I wasn't scared of the bird flu. I wasn't scared of swine flu. Czars. I don't care what, you tell, what, what name you put on stuff. I ain't scared of it. And the church ain't pulled to be scared of none of that. None of it. None of it. See, here's, here's what we do. In the name of Jesus, we take dominion over this name called coronavirus. We take dominion over you. In the name of Jesus, you are under the feet of the body of Christ. You bow your knee. You're not going to explode on this land. Neither are you going to bring martial law on this land in Jesus' name. You're not going to do it. No. That's how we're supposed to deal with it. And anything else that raises this ugly serpent head up, to try to shame Jesus and say that his kingdom has no power. 
There's got to be a revival in our thinking. We're not trying to get out. We're trying to establish something so that it's, it's like, you know, when let's say, say that you're, you're big boys and girls and your parents went out of town somewhere. And you got the house and you know when they're coming home. And you know they're going to want to see a clean house. So you know what you're going to do? You're going to start doing, hopefully, Hallelujah. And especially if they gave you some instructions before they left. You're going to think, you know what? I want to have a clean house to present to them when they come. This is the attitude that the church is supposed to have where Jesus is concerned. We're not waiting for you to come back to fix everything. We're looking to take what you've given us and take dominion and have something to present to you. So when you stroll on, all you got to do is say, whoa, okay, I got it from here, boys. Gotta be a change in the thinking, mindset of the church. There's gotta be a total transformation in the way we've been thinking. Total transformation. And so when we start thinking like that way, then the tests and trials that we deal with on a personal level, they're going to take on a whole different look. They're not gonna be as, as seem as insurmountable as they have in many of our lives. We're not gonna give undue attention to them. Not that you ignore stuff in life. You're just not going to let it be the thing that motivates and controls your life. No test and trial is supposed to control my life. I'm supposed to learn how to dominate it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Hello? Hello? And I mean, I, 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 I'm not speaking lightly of the things that we have to deal with. Everybody got stuff to, er, er, oh, everybody got stuff to deal with. Everybody. Everybody. You got to everybody. Nobody's exempt. But it's our attitude towards them that we need to deal with. Come on. Dominion, we need to be thinking dominion. Tell somebody dominion, please. Tell somebody else dominion, please. Then tell somebody else dominate in the name of Jesus. Think dominion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We put up with stuff in the atmosphere. We put up with stuff on our bodies. We put up with stuff in the cabin. We just put up with stuff. And expect God to do it all. I, unless we read, we read a scripture here. It said, he sat down. I'm expecting somebody going to make my enemies my footstool. Somebody. 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 <laughs> Somebody. Well, see, that's that's what God has invested in the church. Hallelujah. You're still with me. All right. So now in tagging, tagging on to this, we need to think about this. There are four things that need to happen before this whole deal is over. And Jesus takes his place here on planet Earth. All right. The church has got to walk in dominion over Satan, demons, sickness, disease, poverty, manifestations of fear and death and disruptions in nature. That's what we're supposed to do. Tsunamis, earthquakes, all this crazy stuff. 
God said they're going to happen on the earth, but guess what? We have dominion. If Jesus exercised it, and then he told us the works that I do, if you believe on me, the works that I do, you'll never be able to do any of them. <laughs> that ain't what he said. <laughs> he said, I'm God, and only I can do these things. Uh-uh. No, he said. The works that I do, you'll do also. And then he said, I ain't got no insecurity about myself. You can do greater things than I did. And I ain't going to stop you. He said, you can do greater than what I did. See, he ain't insecure about nothing. He ain't worried about being bumped off his throne because you did something more better than he did. <laughs> Matter of fact, he said, I want you to do more than I did. Go on, get it. Do the bump. <laughs> Go on, do it. Get it done. Do more than I did. I'll be happy for you to do more than I did. See? See? Some, some, some of us older people need to be, be like that. Don't be, you know, trying to hold some young person back. Like people try to hold us back. Let them go. And they do something greater than you did, just say, go on, do it. Do some more. Go ahead, do some more. Do more than I did. See if you can. And I'll support you. Come on. Come on. Second, the church must press toward unity. We know, this, we, we know these things. The church must press toward maturity. Has to be. These are things that have to happen. God said they have to happen. And then the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the entire world, not just preached to the entire world, but as a witness. So we'll go right back to what we said about that life. And the church did that when it started off. Somehow the message got lost in the sauce. We got to get the colander out, get the strainer out, <laughs> pour the sauce, and let all the liquid drip through until what was lost in the sauce becomes evident and apparent again. Man, oh man, I heard one preacher, he said something really, really rough, but, and, and you know, but I, to a major extent, I agree with him. He said, what we have had with Christianity for the last 2,000 years, we need to throw most of it away because we missed the major focus. Start all over again. I don't know how long it'll take. I mean, I'm gonna tell you what's gotta be done. Old people, young people, in between, we need to be interjected with this stuff that we're talking about right now in the church because we've got to get things God-focused. Hallelujah. Let's finish this off. What we need to do, a couple of things I'm going to share with you. We must give attention to Paul's Holy Spirit-inspired prayers for the church and mankind. This is so important. If we can see the way that the Holy Spirit designed prayers, then we can see how we should pray, because in the prayers are actually the answers to the prayers. It's so amazing to me. <laughs> He's telling you what to pray for. And so if he's telling us what to pray for, then the answer's in the prayer. <laughs> God, Lord Jesus. Where have we been? Where's the church been? We've been out to lunch somewhere for the most part. 
There are people that have gotten pieces of it, but you know, we need everybody to lock in. Okay, let's let's read a portion. I know we're not going to read all through all of these, but we're going to read pieces of them at least. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through four. I love doing this, and my prayer is that guys that we pick up on this and we just see the way that the scriptures connect. So I like to take these words and just look at them in different scriptures. First Timothy two one through four. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And notice what God our Savior wants: to have all men to be saved. And see, Christianity, a lot of it, just stopped there. But notice he said, and, oh, Lord, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So we might want to say, we're going to get somebody to say, get say, well, once people get saved, that ain't it. It's not just a notch in your Christian belt because somebody got saved. Now we got to bring them to the knowledge of the truth. So if I'm going to bring somebody there, oh boy, I got to know something about myself. Amen? You with me? All right, Colossians 1, begin with verse 9. Here's a prayer. It's a prayer. Paul said, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the, now notice, notice, notice. He said, oh, cease to pray for you. It's got to be important. Chris said, in my prayers for you, I am not ever leaving this out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now look at how, how he's talking about us praying for one another, praying for the church, people in the body of Christ. He said, I don't cease to pray this for you. So he said, I'm not going to just pray at one intercessory prayer service and then, well, that's it. Until two months later or whatever. Maybe I feel like it. He said, I cease not to pray for you. Uh-huh. And to desire that you might be filled with what? The knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Look at that. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. Well, I can't work, walk worthy of him without the knowledge. Glory to God. Come on, let's check out Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. We'll just read probably one verse there. Philippians 1, 9. He said, and this I pray. Notice how specific that is. <laughs> and this I pray. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all comprehensive discernment. <laughs> so the Bible tells us that God is love. Does it say that somewhere? God is love. And so he says, I'm praying this, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. 
Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. Notice knowledge in, in all these prayers. Knowledge of God, his ways. <laughs> Ephesians 3 from verse 14. Paul said, for this cause, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints. What is that? That's not the hospital. OK, with with all those saints. <laughs> What is it? the breadth and length and depth and height and to 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 know, know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. <laughs> that you might be filled with all the fullness of God to know the love of Christ. No, no. Here we go. again. No. OK. And then Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Season prayers. He said, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation <coughs> in the knowledge of him. Uh-oh. The knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may what? Know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We may know. So the assignment is to exercise dominion and authority. Release the knowledge of God in the earth. It's real simple. Dominate and release. Dominate release. Dominate, release. Let's read these scriptures. Acts 1.8 and Mark 16, 15-20. <laughs> Some people would think <clears throat> that the further along you get in the Lord and the more that you know about them, the more complicated things should get. I'm of the opinion that it should get simpler. And if we start out with some people that are coming in and make it simple, then they won't have to wade through all kind of stuff that men have done to complicate it and make Christianity a complicated thing because it's not complicated. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Holy Spirit came into everybody when we got saved, when we received eternal life. But the Holy Spirit, there's another experience in that of being immersed or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And with that, whoever receives it, receives a language that 
wasn't in the language that they understood with their carnal mind. Pray in the spirit. How many of you do that? How many of you think you could spend more time doing that? Mm-hmm. Staying plugged in a little tighter and a little more firmly. Let's make a decision to do that. Matter of fact, that's part of what we talked about early on when we started the year about what we would say. Creative words speaking, putting good things out there. Spend more time doing that. Mark 16, 15 through 20, the last scripture. Jesus said to them, go ye into all the world, to all the cosmos, and preach the gospel to every creature. Folks, every one of us is a part of this cosmos, a part of this orderly arrangement. When I say a part of it, I don't mean that our lives are attached to it, but we are in it because God told us to go into it. And see, wherever we are, you may have something that you do as a job. Uh, you may have a business. Whatever it is that you have, it's a part of the way that this world system has been structured. Somebody may be in the arts. Someone may be in education. There may be someone in athletics. There may be someone in money, finances, whatever it may be. What God says, whatever that area is, he said, go into that with the purpose of disrupting the cosmos and bringing the kingdom of God into it. Now, how many of us think about our job or what we would call a profession, so to speak, and think about going into it to make that kind of a difference? Most people think about it as making money or getting a career. But he said, go into that and preach the gospel to every creature. So now for many of us today, we've learned that in that gospel is God's life. And it'll bring us full circle to where we started and talking about this particular thing, what God has in him. His mercy endures forever. And what is his mercy about? His mercy is about him coming down to where men are and bringing them up to where he is. So people in the cosmos that don't know the Lord they don't know that God wants them to come up to where he is. They think he wants to beat them down. And they see you coming, and they think you're coming to beat them down and tell them about how bad, how naughty they are, and they're going to burn in hell. You dirty, rotten, dirty. If you don't get saved, you're going to burn. And that's not the message of reconciliation. That's the end result of rejecting it, but that's not the message or the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. So go into it. He that believes and is immersed shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be condemned. These signs shall accompany them that believe. In my name, look at this, they shall cast out devils. 
They shall speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Ooh, look at that. Oh, they put some coronavirus germs in my water. Oh, they put it in my drink. Well, did you pray over and sanctify that drink and kill that stuff? Boy, you drink it. <laughs> the Bible says if somebody try to lay something like that on you, it ain't pulled to work. Uh-oh. So don't care what virus it is. Flu? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm just reading the Bible. Is that okay? It's a dream. Did any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Notice in that discourse, he ain't say anything about my coming again. He just said, do this, please. Get into the cosmos, shake it up, bring the kingdom to wherever you go. Amen. You made it. Less than an hour sleep. You made it. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. Keep flooding the eyes of our hearts with light, please. And as you live in us, working in us to willing to do of your good pleasure, please help us to remain mindful of these things. And don't let us rest or relax until what you desire is so honed into us, indelibly marked into us, that every day that we get up, we know what your purposes are and what we're to be about doing and how we're to represent and release you here in the earth. Help us, Lord God. And if we sidestep it, go astray from it, work on our inside, scratch on the inside of us. And help us to move back to that. For the Bible says you're in us, working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. Have fun, Lord. Have pleasure working in us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.